Steve, happy Thursday. I hear birds chirping in the background slightly. Must be a beautiful day there in Boise. It is, man. Yeah, I got the window open here in the bedroom, and uh, it's beautiful. It's going to be 65 degrees, nice and sunny. Hopefully sneak out for a bike ride. I've been uh, kind of transitioned into a lot more riding the last few weeks, just kind of mixing it up, and it's fun to fun to get it back out on the mountain bike a lot. So. Yeah. You said the other day, uh, just to me in passing, like you were happy with how things are progressing physically with your training. Do you, cause you've said before, you feel like you've never been in better shape than when you were biking. Do you feel like biking more now directly makes that correlation yeah. of how you're feeling? Oh yeah. thousand percent. Yeah. The, the only, like, um, for me, if I, I still need to get out and, and hike and kind of like stretch my legs for lack of a better term, right? Like, because biking is such a repetitive, like it's not very dynamic, right? You're on the seat just pedaling. So your, your lungs are, that's why you can just hammer your lungs because you're so stinking efficient with the rest of your body um, that your lungs are really what's going to slow you down when you're biking. So if uh, your lungs are in great shape biking, it's almost like almost impossible for me to get truly winded when I'm hiking. You know what I mean? Um, 30 pounds up a mountain, like my legs gonna get tired. I need to rest before my lungs would ever give out. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, man, it's just such a great, 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 great workout. Um, speaking of hiking and training, we had a question on that topic. Uh, guy Rodin said, you guys often talk about timing your hikes, tracking speed, pack weights, etc." And I was wondering what devices or apps you guys use for that. Um, yeah, Strava is an app I've used for, um, started using it when I was, you know, riding a lot mountain bike. Um, and then you can easily record all sorts of different, you know, hiking. Um, I think there's just like walking, hiking, running, swimming. I mean, just basically anything you could think of that's on there. You can select the activity and then hit record. Um, super great, great tool. And then a few years ago, I switched over. Uh, I didn't switch over, but started using the, some of the Garmin watches. I think the first one was like a Vivo Fit, maybe. I can't remember the name of it. And now it's a, a Garmin Instinct. Uh, so that watch I have with me, uh, I don't, you, you wear yours like nonstop, even in, in bed. I'm pretty much like, you know, take it off at night and then don't put it back on until I go do a workout. So it's like 90% of the time it's with me on a workout. Sometimes I forget it or leave it at home or something, you know. Um, but so Garmin has a, an app called Garmin connect. And then, so basically I basically hit record on my watch as the second I start a hike or a ride. And then when I'm done, um, hit finish. The cool thing is, you know, on your watch, you're getting real time, uh, time, like duration, elevation, gain, distance traveled. There's some kind of screens you can toggle in and out of there too, which is kind of nice. I, I like that on my bike if, um, especially if I'm like riding a new route or something like that, I can look down and, you know, I'm shooting for 2000 foot of elevation climbed and, um, you know, just, just gives you ballparks to kind of in, in the moment adjust to your route to make sure you're hitting what you want to hit. Um, but yeah, so when you're done, you just hit save activity and then it saves it, uh, saves it to your phone, uh, or basically over to your app there, the Garmin connect app. And then that feeds over to Strava. So I do all my when I'm done with everything, I don't often look at the analytics inside of the Garmin app. I just jump right onto Strava and that'll have me, um, show me all the times that does all the comparisons. So, um, inside of Strava, you can create, um, routes and segments. Uh, typically they're already like 
if it's a well bike, well ridden bike trail, uh, people have already created all these segments. And so, and that's how I jump in there. And like I did a, a ride yesterday at lunchtime and jumped up, you know, jumped on there afterwards and it'll say like second fastest time doing this third fastest time doing that, you know? Um, and you can go, it'll say, you literally click on that segment and it's like, you've done this, you know, uh, 27 times over the last year or whatever. Right. And then it'll mm-hmm. just tell you, it'll show you all your times right there. So it's a really awesome tool. Um, to track your progress over time yeah pretty much the same here um use the watch to track activities like you i like the interface of strava better and how it does those comparisons the segments are super cool like there's the main hiking loop that i do um there's a, like one specific good climb on it and strava will specifically show like that as a segment and so you can really compare times on a climb for example versus the whole the whole activity which you can do um yeah, it's, it's pretty neat, man. There's there's good data in there. Like you said, I pretty much wear the Instincts 24-7 unless I'm charging it, which is, uh, I don't know, I probably charge it every four to five days. And I didn't usually let it get all the way down, but it's it has pretty good battery life for sure, considering I'm wearing it all the time. Um, yeah, they actually just, I don't know if you saw this, Steve. So in the um, Garmin app, they just added a new feature called the body battery. Did you look at that? Mm-mm. So it basically shows you, it, it'll, I, it's probably, we've talked before, Garmin for sure uses heart rate as an indicator in a lot of ways, um, even for like calories burned, effort, things like that. This battery, batter, body battery, if I had to guess, I meant to look into this, would is probably using heart rate variability, which there's been a lot of science on in the last several years, to basically look at how rest, not only how rested are you, but like um, your sympathetic parasympathetic state, like how ready are you to endure stress or to perform? Um, and so it's kind of cool, this body battery, it shows how you essentially quote unquote recharge through rest. And then it also shows you how physical activity has then taken your battery down and how much. So it kind of gives you this like really good, um, idea of your current state, if you will. So anyway, that's random, but kind of a cool thing to look at. Yeah, um, and that's just built into the app now. Yeah, it's built into the um, yeah into Garmin Connect. Yep, body oh, battery. Good. So cool. I'll I did um, when I did my little personal death hike, um, whatever that was, three ish four weeks ago. I don't remember. Um, I ran both my watch as a tracker, and then I had my phone with me, and I ran Strava separately and recorded the activity through then. And I was doing that for two reasons. One, I was really curious to see how my watch battery held up tracking that much data for that long. And two, I was really curious to see how differently the watch tracked uh, things compared to Strava tracking things in terms of distance, elevation, and all that good stuff to see how true they were um, Mm -hmm. or different they were from each other. They were pretty stinking close. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but when I, that hike was an out and back. So when I got to that essentially it was 19.6 miles or whatever my turnaround point um they were within like 0.2 miles of each other wow. and the elevation gain loss was really similar so i was pretty impressed by that um the watch was almost dead when i got done for sure so essentially it had been tracking one solid activity and you know hitting all those gps points for that for about 12 ish hours 
And so that's just something to keep in mind. Um, not if I going on a 12 hour hike, but just to throw it out there, you know, if you're doing this extended thing or something like our death hike and you're trying to track it continually, um, you know, the phone's probably better for that just cause you're gonna have a lot more battery life, but in general, the watches, um, been happy with it. Yeah. I know we've always been, um, I'm wondering if you had, you know, not giant mountains and relatively clear view of the South sky. Cause I'm not, when we've done the death hikes, um, you know, guys are tracking on multiple different devices and we can have some wildly different, um, mm-hmm. results with, I mean, you know, 10% different, um, which doesn't sound like much, but if you're talking like, you know, 20 2000. miles or 22 miles, right. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff kind of adds up. So, yeah, um, yeah, it certainly yeah, didn't I have, on a, yeah, crazy mountain elevation. But what surprised me was probably, probably 80% of that hike I was in canopy. Like it was mostly in woods. There's like some open glades and stuff like that for chunks. But, um, in terms of reliability of signal, then I was hitting some like Creek bottoms and stuff that are kind of in, um, little deep cuts. So I was actually pretty surprised with how consistent it was. Nice. Oh, good question on essentially more budget gear. So guy says, could you guys talk more in depth about budget backcountry gear, such as sleep systems for less than two to $300 or so? Um, he heard us talk about the budget clothing recently and wanted to know our thoughts on other budget recommendations for gear specifically. Um, we did an in-depth kind of look at this and discussion back on episode 160. And then we also posted our budget gear picks, um, in a blog post on the EXO site, which I'll include a link to in the show description, but I can't remember what we did. Steve, we basically said, I remember the scenario was say you're like a, you have hunting gear. So we're not talking like weapon and all that. Maybe you're like a whitetail hunter from out East and you're going on your first backpack hunt. We specifically said, here are the things you need to outfit yourself. Assuming you have hunting gear for a backpack hunt specifically. Um, so shelter and sleep system and some clothing and different boots, for example. And I can't remember what our budget was 500 bucks maybe for all that. I don't remember. Yeah, we talk about it in the show. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're looking like say a sleep system for like less than two to three hundred bucks, he mentioned a, an example of that that would certainly fall. Um, so if you want to hear that full discussion again, we hit shelter, sleeping pad, sleeping bag. Um, I remember we gave ourselves that budget. We separately went and picked those items, and then came back together to talk about what our picks were. So that again, that was episode one sixty. That'd be a good one to check out. Um, and then on the clothing side, yeah, we've continue to talk steve you and i about some hunts this fall and like giving ourselves some sort of like 300 hundred dollar total clothing budget and and seeing what we can do there which would be fun or terrible we'll see <laughs> no, it'd be just fine <laughs> um yeah i guess i'll add on the you know typically with backpacking gear cheaper doesn't mean um less quality it just means heavier uh so just something for people to kind of you know, keep in mind that usually it's probably going to be more durable, uh, because it is going to be heavier fabrics and things like that. So, um, yeah, there's plenty of good synthetic sleeping bags you could buy for probably a hundred, 150 bucks and a sleeping pad you could find on sale for $40. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to go spend $300 on a ultralight down bag and 150, $200 on an ultralight pad. Um, typically you said you're just looking at weight there. So 
if you want to just get started and you need that stuff, you don't have a big budget, you know, don't be afraid to grab that stuff. Just, you know, know you're going to be packing two to three extra pounds and, and that sucks. But, you know, over uh, the coming years, I think anyone um, that's started backpacking can attest to this. It's just a little bit of a process. You just don't start out with all the, the greatest gear, you know, on your first trip out. It takes, uh, you know, I started all my stuff when I was in college and just like, Literally, it was like one year got a nice down sleeping bag. The next year got a nice tent. Um, just kind of save some money, use the, you know, uh, Black Friday sales and stuff like that, and just take a few years to build up your gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we actually just got an email from a guy. Um, just like a good example of illustrating that point, he had saw that I had used the Nemo uh, Hornet tents, and since I've had that, I've had it for a few years. Nemo came out with a Hornet Elite which is basically very similar design, but lighter. And he was asking what my thoughts were on the standard Hornet versus the Hornet Elite. And essentially the the difference between the two is five ounces. Um, the Elite uses a seven denier. The standard Hornet uses a 10 denier. And he basically got to the point where he's asking, he said, weight's super important to me, but I don't want to buy a tent that could have durability issues. Does the 70 function well in the mountains under variable conditions? So like you said, Steve, like the elite, the quote unquote elite is going to be more expensive and it's going to save some weight, but sometimes that can come at the downside of durability. Yeah, um, absolutely. So consider weight, consider durability, consider price. Like I, I looked just super quick between the standard Hornet and the Hornet elite and I was seeing the pricing be, I think 140 bucks difference. So it's like, you know. For a lot of guys, 140 bucks for uh, five ounces. I don't know. Like, think about that. You know, <laughs> yeah. For <laughs> to say like five ounces and to have don't yeah, 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 to say five ounces and to be less durable, at least in theory. Um, yeah, yeah. It begins to make a point where, like, the quote unquote better gear sometimes just doesn't make sense. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, topic of fires. We had a couple related questions. Um, we'll start with this. He says, I would love to know your question or I'd, I'd love to know your question. I'd love to know your thoughts on campfires while hunting elk during archery season. This guy says he's archery hunted a lot. He never had a fire while back in. He's always been worried about the scent that he might get while the fire is going. He says he knows the obvious answer is to always use the wind when hunting. Um, but basically, are we concerned about the scent of a fire? for bow um, close encounters and do we typically build fires during archery season no and yes um yeah i don't go out of my way to build a fire um if i don't need it but if it's cold and rainy and i'm wet uh or you know there's just um well it'd, it'd have to be bad weather where you're just hunkered down you're not moving sometimes just having a fire uh, kind of lifts your spirits, you know, um, I, th- I used to scouting trips, just build a fire, uh, just for like, I don't know, especially as a solo trip, just to have something to kind of sit around and eat your dinner. And as I said, just kind of calms you. But, um, yeah, when I'm hunting, I, we don't think twice about it. We, if we need it, we build it. And, uh, I think the scent part of it, if, if anything, the smoke covers up your human BO scent and, and it's probably better than, than having BO smell on your clothes. So, you know, when you're backpacking, it's um, basically everybody I know, nobody packs like scent killer spray back there, right? It's just um, you just pick good clothes that don't stink over over duration. So nylons and wools 
are, are generally way better than a polyester. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, a fire is not a bad thing at all. So I've, um, as far as affecting the animals, you know, I, I think they're fairly used to campfire smell. Um, whether it be wildfires or, you know, if somebody's camping two miles from them in the summertime, like they're used to smelling that a lot, you know, the, that smoke drifts a long ways. Uh, I've never really seen it affect my hunting in any way. I mean, I've, we've had fires the night before and woke up to elk bugling, you know, within 200 yards of, of where the fire was. So, uh, it's hard for me to go, Oh, that, you know, that really hurt our hunting that day. Um, maybe there's a scenario where, where an elk was, would have been closer and, and spooked off a little bit, uh, cause they smelt the fire, but I, I don't think it blows them out of the country. I think worst case scenario, maybe they just move a little bit away from you, but so, um, yeah, again, we don't, uh, as a general rule, don't go out of our way to build them, but when we need them, definitely not afraid to. So, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the same. I don't, I'd say it's it's not the norm to have a fire each night during our tree season, but that's like you're saying for it's typically just not needed uh, based on the conditions, temperature, what have you. Um, as you said, on solo hunts, it can be huge, a game changer, like something everybody likes sitting and staring at the fire. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, for sure. So there's something about it and having it. That's nice. And um, like you said, don't really give a second thought. So related to fire, separate uh, separate guy, separate question. This guy uh, wrote in, said he's done most of his hunting with a larger flora shelter, TP style, with a stove, uh, typically with three to five guys. But he's going to be doing more solo hunts and wants the flexibility and the mobility to have a lighter camp and, um, you know, that's something much quicker to set up and tear down. So he's interested in the tarp bivy setup that you've talked about, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, but he basically says, I can't imagine being out there without a fire for nighttime warmth. Do you truly stay warm in September and October with your tarp and bivy? Have you ever set up a small fire in front of your tarp for warmth? Is there a preferred tarp pit tarp pitch that works best for you with or without a tarp? So a whole bunch with of questions. But, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely my gear that I'm taking with me on a cold weather hunt, uh, September is typically very warm and is not an issue at all. Um, my gear, my clothing, my sleeping bag, that is all designed to keep me warm without a fire, right? Um, so I'm not uh, taking a 30-degree bag out there when it's going to be 10 degrees, right? Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I've never had a fire super close to my tarp, Um just because I, I, I've had little burn holes in my tarp when you when you had a fire, you know, 20 feet away. So I, I can't imagine putting a fire like, you know, four feet outside the edge of the opening of your of your tarp shelter. And because and, that thing would just have holes like crazy in it in the morning uh, from little embers, you know, flying up in the air and then landing on it and burning through. So, um, yeah, I think uh, he just... Uh, it's not that bad out there, man. Like, yeah. Uh, you, if you have decent clothing, you can really hunt, um, you know, into really cold temperatures. You know, I think, um, you know, under, um, you know, 15 degrees and up, you really don't have to do a whole lot of considerations. Uh, when you start talking about like, you know, zero degrees, five degrees, 
things start getting cold and and I think you got to pay more attention to like make sure you don't get wet, uh, control sweat, right? You know, like take cl- clothes off before you start a hike. You got, you have to start being a little bit more attentive. But again, it's not um, it's not the end of the world. You just go out and do it and um, you know suck it up. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Yeah, and and I do that. Like I said, uh, I'm not. I sleep very warm inside that baby sack. It definitely adds, you know, five to ten degrees to my sleep system. So I had actually, I actually sleep warmer inside a baby sack than I would inside of a tent. Uh, I I sleep really, really well with that. So that's something to, um, you know, think about for him is mm-hmm. if he's worried about that, it's it's really not an issue. Yeah, the final point's an interesting one. He's talking about specific tarp pitches that work well and that's obviously going to be a factor of uh what specific tarp are you using what shelter is it is it you know is it cut for specific pitches is it more general and it has that flexibility to have multiple pitches um what's been your experience there steve with you know kind of battening down the hatches if you will in bad weather versus keeping things more open and ventilated is that something you specifically look for in a tarp is that flexibility um, I'd say more so than the tarp is just where I'm pitching. Um, right. So, I mean, and sometimes it's unavoidable and you're gonna have to pitch your tarp in a bad spot, but I, I campsite selection when it gets cold is going to be a lot more critical. You, you absolutely want something out of the wind, something sheltered, protected, preferably lots of overhead trees to kind of, um, just keep the, the condensation and stuff from settling on top of you. Uh, so the the tarp pitch itself isn't super critical to me. Uh, it's going to be well, yeah. I'll spend some extra if it's cold and windy. I'm, I'm going to definitely spend some extra time finding a really good camp campsite. Okay, cool. Yeah. To wrap up, Steve, you're uh, virtually doing a little uh, beer Q and A with the bro crew tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. Cody reached out from Born and Raised Outdoors, and and I'm jumping on and doing a. I just talked to him this morning because I didn't really understand exactly what it is, but it's just a live um, kind of Q and A thing on their YouTube channel. So like we are recording via Zoom, I guess, and it just gets fed right live into YouTube, and people can ask questions. And um, yeah, it'll be uh, should be fun. I have no idea what to expect, but um, jump on there, and if one person asks a question or a hundred, I have no idea. But I'm sure, we'll have a few laughs and hang out. So yeah, cool. Well, yeah, guys, if you want to ask a question, obviously, we got the TSS episodes, as we've said, uh, every time you can contact us to podcast at xmongear.com for that or um, tune in tonight. Do you remember the time, Steve, tonight that you guys are going uh, live? Yeah, seven mountain time. Okay, cool. So seven mountain. Cool. Yeah. So just uh, born and raised um, YouTube channel for that. You guys will be live um, doing that and hanging out and Steve, thanks for the time, man. We'll be back with uh, another podcast for you guys soon. And again, any questions, anything like that, just send us an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com.